How many of y'all are glad y'all are at Trinity tonight? Isn't it great to be in Awanas? Wow. I want to say just thank you so much to everybody uh, that, that, that's here tonight and, uh, and, and the adults that decided to come uh, and be a part of this as well. And uh, what a great week we've had. This has been a fantastic time of revival. We appreciate all the Facebook comments and all the encouragement. Some of you have talked to me one-on-one and just shared some of the things that God spoke to your heart about. That's fantastic. I, it really is. And, and I mean it when I say that it really has felt like just a week of being at home for me. I, I just feel like this is one of my church homes, but, and I want to say thank you for supporting this uh, revival with your prayers. Uh, I, I want to say something that, that I, I know you believe and agree with me on, um, but I want to tell you this, what I'm about to say, uh, I want you to keep in mind, I know a ton, I know a ton of pastors, I, I know a I'm in, a, I'm in a lot of different churches all the time, okay, and have been traveling for over 20 years now, and I will tell you that God has given you something special and unique, a great blessing in the staff of this church. Robbie Brown, Brother Jeff, and Brother Ben, they are one of a kind three of a kind one of a three of a kind and uh they they are and I, i'm telling you I, i'm not saying that just because they're good friends of mine i'm not saying that just because you know i've known robbie for years i'm saying that because i have that itinerant perspective i know a lot of guys i appreciate guys that are on the front lines and in trenches and all that pastoring leading shepherding but god wired up these guys in a way that's unique and a blessing and don't take them for granted pray for them Bless them, encourage them, take them taters and maters, send them cards and letters, bless them. Because I promise you this, the devil has a target on their back. So be sure to do that. Man, I'm telling you, one of the greatest things in the world, I believe, are Awana workers. I've got to tell you that right now. I mean, they are. And uh, why is that important? And why is this an important night? That is important, what you do as Awana workers, and also tonight is important because if someone doesn't give their heart to Jesus before the age of 12, there's less than a 4% chance they will ever be saved. So those that work with our young kids in here like this are on the front lines of ministry and the gospel. And I want to say thank you for what you do. Because it really does matter. And tonight's an important night. And you know what? These kids have already told me they're going to pay attention. They're going to zone in. They're going to listen to the, during the time we have together. I remember being in this church a number of years ago, and we had a guy come in, an old preacher came in to preach for a week right here, and his name was Walter K. Ayers. You remember Walter K. Ayers? I had some great conversations because I knew God was calling me to evangelism. And I sat across the table when the basement over there was the fellowship hall. And I sat with Walter K. Ayers. And I had learned, I wasn't that bright. I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer, I promise you that. But I'd learned that when you get a chance to be across the table from some men like that, you better ask some good questions and learn all you can. And so I sat across the table and I said, Walter K. Ayers, tell me about some of the stories. Tell me about some of the times that you preach. Tell me about some of the people you've seen come to Christ. And it, and it was important to me to get that information because Walter K. Ayers, he was like vintage. He was like, he was like walking history. He was doing tent revivals around the country under big tents when Billy Graham was under big tents. I mean, 
he, he was on the sawdust trail before they even knew what to call it. And he, he told me this story one time that he was under a great big tent and they had those chairs everywhere. And back then when they'd set up a tent in a field somewhere and throw down the sawdust and the chairs, man, kids would be running everywhere, just kids all over. They didn't have nursery, right? And he said that this kid during his sermon had kind of, he, he had worked his way down toward the front and he had a toy car while he was preaching. And he's preaching, and while he's preaching, that kid's down there going, and he said it was really kind of loud. So I had to preach a little bit louder. But when I would preach a little bit louder, that kid just got louder with his car. So I'd preach a little bit louder, he'd go, finally he got so distracting, he said, I stopped my sermon, and I said, young man, stop that. Kid said, So I don't think I'm going to have to say, say stop that. If I do say stop that, you'll say, yeah. so far they've been paying attention. So that's pretty good. Amen. Amen. I, I want you to turn your Bibles to Romans uh, chapter 6, and it's going to be on the screen as well. Romans chapter 6. We're really just going to look at, at one verse tonight. And I, I want us to really kind of look into it and, and make sure we understand exactly what it says. And I'm actually doing two things at the same time in my message tonight. And I'll tell you at the end of the message what those two things are. It's going to seem like I'm doing one thing, but really I'm doing two things. And, and it'll make sense as we go along. But I want us to look at a very familiar verse. And I know that if you're in Awanas, you've certainly memorized this verse. This is one of the first ones that you memorize when you're in Awanas. And what is it? As a matter of fact, let's read it out loud together. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, a lot of times we memorize verses, but sometimes we don't think about what we're memorizing. Now, I know I'm not the first person to say it. I know all your workers have said it to you before. They've looked at you and they said, listen, don't just commit it to your memory bank, but really think about what it says, because the Bible is the word of, of God and truth. That's right. Absolutely. So we're going to take a little bit of time with it. I, I don't want to miss what's there. When, how many of y'all know who Sherlock Holmes is? Anybody know who Sherlock Holmes is? That great detective, right? And his sidekick, his name was Watson. That's right. Sherlock Holmes and Watson were on a camping trip. And they were laying out on their sleeping bags under the stars. And, and, and Sherlock Holmes looked up and, and, and he, he said to Watson, he said, Watson, look up and tell me what you see. And Watson said, I see a sky full of stars. And Sherlock said, okay, now I'm going to teach you something now. Listen, when you look up and you see a sky full of stars, what conclusion do you draw? What do you observe from that? Well, wanting to impress Sherlock, Watson said, well, when I look up and see all those stars, meteorologically, it tells me we're in for good weather tomorrow. Astrologically, it tells me that there are thousands upon thousands of galaxies, millions upon millions of stars. Theologically, it tells me God can create amazing things and beautiful things with the spoken word. What does it tell you, Sherlock, when you look up and see all those stars? He said, it tells me somebody stole our tent. <laughs> I wonder sometime if we're just looking right at the verse and we're missing what's there. I've got four observations I want to share with you right now. First of all, in this verse, there's something that is earned, there's something that is not earned, there is a problem, and there is a solution. Do you know this is one of the most important verses in all the Bible? I mean, if God had written the Bible like this, it'd be neon with asterisks and stars and highlighters all around it. It's a very important verse. Something earned, something not earned, there's a problem and a solution. Now, what word tells you that there's something earned in that verse? Somebody tell me. Wages, wages. What is a wage? Somebody tell me what a wage is. 
That's right, it's like paycheck or a compensation. If you go to work, you earn a wage, right? Because the government has to take half of something. And then there's something not earned. Now, what word in that verse tells you there's something not earned? Gift. Do you, is a gift a wage? Do you earn a gift? What do you do with a gift? You just accept it, right? Now, there's also a problem. Now, what is the problem in this verse? Yes, the payment or the compensation for sin is death, but there's also a solution. What is the line that talks about solution? Say it out loud. Life in Christ. Christ. Man, these guys right down here are very active and very vocal and excited about it. Gotcha. So what in the world would have happened in the universe? What would have happened in what God made that would have required that this neon verse be written that would offer us something not earned, something earned, a problem, and a solution. Well, I want to give it to you. I'm kind of visual, so I want to give it to you in a visual. I'm going to share something with you. Maybe your pastor shared with you before. But the first thing I want to talk about is God's design. So let's imagine we have a sheet of paper, and we're going to write God's design. I don't believe that God made this earth to be broken. Do you? As a matter of fact, in the beginning was... In the beginning was God, and God created everything, and he said after he, everything that he created, he said it was good. I mean, it was good. When God created the earth, nobody was fighting, nobody was killing each other, nobody, listen, nothing bad ever happened. Nobody ever stubbed their toe. You couldn't burn your mouth on pizza. I mean, nothing bad happened. But one day, somebody entered the garden that wanted to tell a lie, and his name was Satan. And he took on the form of a, of a snake. And he said, trust in me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no, I'm getting confused with the movie. Anyway, how many of y'all saw Jungle Book, right? Well, the snake actually probably didn't look like that. He actually, that was before God cursed him and said, you're going to lick dust the rest of your life and you're going to slither around on your belly. He was, probably, he was probably extremely beautiful. He was the most beautiful creature God had ever made, and he probably had legs at the time. But either way, we know he could talk, and he started talking to Eve. And he basically said, God's lying to you. God's not telling you the whole truth. God said you could have everything in this garden. That's true. God said everything in this garden is good for you. That's true. God said, he's got all you need, and you've got perfect fellowship with him. All that's true. God said, there's nothing but joy. There's no pain. All that's true. All that's absolutely true. But there's one thing God's not telling you the truth about. God told you not to touch something. What is it? What's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Well, God doesn't want you to touch that tree, because if you eat of that tree, you'll be just like God. Now, was he telling them the truth? Not at all. Well, wait a minute. God told us not to do that or we'll surely die. We'll experience death. And you know what the devil said? You will not surely die. See, that's what the devil always does. Satan messes up God's design by telling us that God is not telling the truth. When God says to honor your parents, Satan says don't honor your parents. It's better if you don't honor your parents. When God says don't tell a lie, Satan says it's fine if you tell a lie if you feel like it's the right thing to do at the time. I mean, there's a hundred things at any given day that 
God, we know God says what is right or wrong, but Satan says, no, you don't have to do that. But if you'll not do what God says, it'll be better. It'll be more fun. It'll be more exciting. And so what happened was sin entered the garden. What is sin anyway? Sin is just simply this. It is departing from God's design. See, God has a design for your friendships. God has a design for your family. God has a design for your body. God has a design for everything. God has a design. I know some people don't believe that. I know some people believe that we evolved from monkeys. I know that there are some people that'll stand up, some teachers that'll say, we just kind of, we're just glorified accidents at the end of a long chain of accidents. And you say, well, I happen to believe her. She looks like a monkey. But anyway, I don't, I don't know. I just, that's not true. I mean, really, if you think about it, how in the world could all these things that have such design and such wonder and such amazement come from an accident. I mean, really, do you really believe, do you really mean to tell me that all the universe started was from some big bang, and then these amoeba were swimming around in the ocean, and then all of a sudden they grew fins and legs and caught up on the shore and climbed up a tree and grew fur and swung down and stood up and invented a three-piece suit and a laptop computer? Really? I mean, what are the chances that I took a bunch of screws and plastic, and I threw them into a box, and I shook them for a thousand years, and all of a sudden a PlayStation would pop out. Would that happen? But it would be cool if it did, wouldn't it? But it wouldn't happen because there's design in it. See, God has design and sin is departing from his design, saying, you know what? God didn't know what he was doing. I think I can do better. And so we depart from God's design. But that doesn't lead to a better design. That leads to brokenness. Brokenness. So what happens? Well, we have a broken world, don't we? We have ISIS in this broken world. We have fighting in this broken world. We have murder in this broken world. And what happens when you do something wrong? Brokenness always comes. If you lie, what happens? Get in trouble, right? If, if, you, uh, if you steal things, what happens? Get in big trouble. If somebody steals from you or lies to you, does it feel very good? Now you can lie and steal and bad things will happen. Or you get to run for president. But, but, but either way... Either way, these are bad things, and there are consequences. Now, here's what happens. What happens is you, 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 we try to fix the broken things with all we got without God, which is just brokenness, which leads to more brokenness. So what happens is man is in a mess, right? Man's in a mess. And here's the, here's the thing. Satan wants to keep you in a mess. The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all the devil wants to do. And so Satan has rigged this thing in such a way that he keeps people in that circle of brokenness, never getting out by tempting them to more sin and more brokenness, because sin always leads to more brokenness. That is why it's so hard to get out of the hole. It's so hard to get out of the ditch. Sin, by its nature, promises to take you back to the better design, but it never gets you there. One time there was this missionary couple that had left the States and moved to Africa, and the only thing they took with them was two suitcases and their dachshund. Do you know what a dachshund is? It's a wiener dog, man. You've seen a wiener dog. And so that's all they took. They took two suitcases and their wiener dog. And they went down to Africa and they became missionaries. And so every night they kept their wiener dog chained up to a little tree outside their hut. And one night they were laying in bed really, really late. And they heard that dog just barking his little wiener head off. And just all of a sudden, that dog stopped. So, so, the, the, so the man got up and grabbed his flashlight and wondered, man, what, what was that dog barking at? And why all of a sudden did he stop? And so he went outside the hut and he shined his light across the yard and it put it on that tree where that dog was chained up every night. And, and, and as, soon as, he, as soon as his light fell 
where that dog was, he knew exactly the entire story of what had happened. That night, that dog was barking really, really hard because that dog saw one of those big old African snakes, one of those big old anaconda snakes. And so he was barking almost like a warning. And then all of a sudden, that snake got close enough that he decided he was going to have a hot dog snack. And so that snake did what those snakes do, and he swallowed that dog whole. But guess what? Now that snake was chained up to that tree. See, Satan's rigged this thing in such a way that sin always looks good. And, and there are things that thinks, you know what? I know God says that's wrong. I know mom says that's wrong. I know the preacher says that's wrong. I know my wanna leader says that's wrong. But I'm going to do it anyway. And we know we're doing the wrong thing. And we think somehow it's going to satisfy when we choose to do the wrong thing. And I'm telling you, it never, ever does. As a matter of fact, it always ultimately leads to another chain in our life. That's why we can't get out of that brokenness. So God, because he's rich in love and mercy, he decided to make a way. And the way that God made for us to get out of brokenness back into his design is called the gospel. So we're going to put a circle up there called the gospel. And there are a lot of different ways to talk about the gospel. One of the best ways that I ever saw to talk about the gospel was shown to me when I was in FCA in high school. It went something like this. In the beginning, God made man to be in fellowship with him in that garden. Perfect harmony, fellowship. Nothing was between man and God. They had perfect fellowship. They had a perfect relationship. But as I said, when Satan lied to Adam and Eve and they believed him, sin entered the world. And I'm going to let this wallet represent sin. So what happened? Sin came in, and it got in that relationship with God and man. It stood in the midst of the fellowship. There was no fellowship. Their relationship was broken. See, God can't get to man. Man can't get to God. So you know what man began to do? Every generation of man started trying their hardest to restore that relationship with God. And it's called religion. <laughs> it's trying my best to please God. Trying my best to do right. Trying my best to do what it takes to get to God and get to heaven. Man, and here's what they did. They tried everything. Man tried starting new religions, and he tried denying himself and saying no to bad stuff. He even tried a lot of good stuff, like giving money to people that are poor and feeding people that are hungry. I mean, all sorts of things that man's been trying to do to get rid of that sin. Every time he goes back to God, it's always in the way. Because why? He's broken. He's stuck in the broken circle. There's nothing he can do. So what God did was this. God became a man, and his name was Jesus. And he lived a perfect life. And he lived on this earth for 33 years. He never did anything wrong, anything sinful at all. And then he died on a cross. Now, some people would say it was a conspiracy, and all of a sudden these Roman people got together with these uh, Pharisee people, and they decided that they'd just bring Jesus in on trumped-up charges and put him on the cross. Well, on the surface, that's what it looked like. But one time, Jesus said this. He said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down because I want to. Why would he lay down his life? Because he was taking the sin of the world on himself when he died on the cross. You see this sin? The sin requires punishment. We understand this phrase, if a criminal does a crime, he's got to do the time. It's called justice. It's called justice. If a criminal does the crime, he's got to do the time. O.J. Simpson. If a criminal does the crime, he ought to be doing the time. 
Hillary Clinton. I'm just saying that the, if a criminal does a crime, they ought to do time. And so, so as a result, we, 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 we've got to deal with that sin some way. It's got to be punished. So what Jesus said is, okay, look, either you're going to be punished for your sins in hell, or I'll be punished for you on a cross. So he took all of our sins upon himself, and all the wrath of God that was against our sins was poured out on Jesus. And you know what Jesus did with those sins? The Bible says he put them into the sea of forgetfulness. And he put up a no fishing sign. As a matter of fact, he put the sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. And when we, we receive Jesus Christ, all of our sins are, tr- are transferred to him. All of our sins are punished in Jesus. And he casts those sins away. You know why? Because he wants with you and with me to have that restored fellowship with no sin in between. See, when the sin is gone, we can have fellowship with God. That's called the gospel. See, we, God does love us, but he can't just overlook our sin. So that's why people don't go to heaven, they go to hell. But God made a way that we could go to heaven, but it's only through the blood of his own son. In the country of New Zealand, sheep herding is a big, big deal. Matter of fact, every year, uh, sheep are born by the thousands during what they call lambing season all the lambs are born now naturally you would imagine that sometimes lambs are born dead sometimes so you've got a mother sheep who gave birth to a dead lamb she's ready to nurse a baby lamb raise a baby lamb as her own but her baby was born dead then on the other side of course you also know that some Mother sheep don't make it through the birth process. They, they die in lamb birth, right? So you've got live baby lambs that are born sometimes whose mother died giving birth to them. So throughout that land of sheep, New Zealand, you've got a lot of mama sheep that have no lambs and a lot of lambs that have no mamas. Now naturally, you would say, I tell you what, I've got a great idea. Let's just take the sheep they don't have babies and the babies that don't have mamas and put them together right so they can nurse off those mothers and grow up everything will be just fine the only problem is a mother sheep will not nurse a lamb that is not her own we have a problem so they found a way around the problem what they do is they go and they get the lamb that has died in lamb birth it's just laying there on the ground beside its mama who's wondering why it's not moving. And they go and get a sheep that needs a mama. And what they do is they take the skin of that dead lamb and they cut it off. And they drape it across the lamb that has no mother. And they bring that lamb with the skin of that dead mother's lamb to that mother. So when she smells her own, she'll nurse it as her own. Because she smells her own, she adopts that lamb into her family. See, it's not true that we're born children of God. The Bible says we're born children of the devil. But to those who believed in Jesus, he gave the rights to become the children of God. So while we're foreign and we're away and there's distance between us and God, when we believe in Jesus, the blood of Jesus is applied to our life, our heart, our sin. And so when God smells the blood of his own, when God senses his own upon us 
he adopts us into his family, and we become the children of God. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? That's why Jesus is the only way to get to God. So if you believe the gospel, that bottom circle, you say, well, Scott, how do we then get from the bottom circle back to God's design? How do we get right with God and stay right with God? Well, one way is we got to repent and believe. That's first. Got to repent and believe the gospel. Repent is a Bible word that means to change your mind about sin, but also believe. Now, believe doesn't just happen here. It happens here. It's not just about getting a ticket out of hell so we'll go to heaven. It's about giving your heart to Jesus all the way. Don't be like that girl who gave a picture to a boyfriend, and on the back of the picture she said this. I'll love you forever. I'll love you for always. I'll never, ever, ever leave you. P.S. If we ever break up, I want this picture back. I mean, don't be like that, all right? All the way. Jesus as my Savior, but Jesus as my Lord. Not just hear my sins, but Lord, here's my heart. So it's repent and believe, but also another thing. It is also that we might recover and pursue because something happens in the gospel. Something happens when you say yes to Jesus as Savior and Lord that's more than just making sure you don't go to hell. We believe in the Trinity. What does that mean? Well, it's the name of this church. Well, yeah, but this church is named after something called the Trinity. When we talk about the Trinity, we talking about, we're talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you the moment you get saved. Why? Because you can't live God's design without God's help. Kind of like this glove. I brought a glove with me tonight. I, bought, I brought with me a, a glove that, that I keep in my car because there's a lot of lessons in that glove. It is a dirty, white glove. Now, I'm going to pick up one of these plates right here, and I'm going to lay it right there, and I'm going to ask you a question about this glove and that plate. Now, you can't talk out loud, all right? You've got to think about your answer in your head. All right. If 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 I, if you get an answer, don't say it out loud. I'm I'm going to tell you the answer, but it's going to take me a minute. Okay, so so just work with me on this. Here's the question I have about this glove and this plate. Don't say it out loud. Keep it to yourself. Just think about your answer. Oh, by the way, it's a yes or no answer. Can the glove pick up the plate? Don't speak. Now, I know some of you are thinking, yes, it can pick up the plate. How many of you are thinking, yes, raise your hand? Okay. Some of you are thinking, no, it won't pick up the plate. How many of you? Raise your hands. Okay. You just told me who's not going to vote in this next election right there. That's, those are the people, the ones that didn't raise their hands on either one, which is normally the pastor because he's not going to risk being wrong. But anyway. There's no right or wrong answer. There's no right or wrong answer. Let's do it again. How many of you say, yes, it can pick up the plate? How many of you say, no, it cannot pick up the plate? How many of you refuse to vote no matter how many times I do this? Okay, just checking on you. All right, so let me, let me answer, but let me qualify the answer. I, I, no, no, the glove can't pick up the plate. Look at the stupid thing. <laughs> but here's why the glove can't pick up the plate. The glove can't pick up the plate because he's not motivated. So I'm going to encourage my glove to pick up the plate. Ready? Sis, boom, ba, pick up the plate. Ra, 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 spirit. 
Is he going to pick up the plate? Okay, I get it. I understand now. Some, some people just don't realize the importance of picking up plates. And they don't realize what's on the line. And they just flippantly pass plates. And they don't even try to pick them up. His problem is he don't understand how much is at stake here. So I'm going to motivate him through guilt and shame. You are the stupidest glove I've ever seen in my life. And you know better than to lay there not picking up a plate. I mean, you're right beside it. Come on. Just pick up the plate, you stupid glove. Is he going to pick up the plate? Not going to pick up the plate. So we just learned that we can't pick up the plate by motivating him and encouraging him, even though it may be the right thing to do. We also learned that he cannot pick up the plate because we're guilting or shaming him into picking up the plate. How in the world can we get that glove to pick up the plate? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Smart people in the room. I'm going to stick my hand in it. See, a lot of people just want Jesus to get them out of hell, and they want him in their heart for that reason, but they don't want him all the way in. How do you get the plate, the glove, to pick up the plate? It's not just inside, it's throughout. Jesus, I want to give you all my life. Can that glove pick up the plate? Absolutely not. But I'll tell you this, that glove can do whatever that hand can do as long as it's full of that hand and dependent on the power of the hand. Understand, you can't live God's design in your friendships, in your academics, in your athletics, with your parents, with brothers and sisters. You, you can't do it. God's design is awesome, it's perfect, but God enabled a way that you can live God's design with his help. So when you get saved, guess what? The Holy Spirit comes to live inside. So whatever God tells you to do, you can do it. That's what sets the gospel apart from every other religion on the planet. So see what I want you to understand tonight, it's not just that you get a hold of Jesus when you get saved, it's that Jesus gets a hold of you. One time this guy said he had the best hunting dog in the county. And somebody said, what makes you think you've got the best hunting dog in the county? He said, man, I don't even have to be near my dog. If I can hear him barking and I hear that bark, I can tell by the bark what he's called. One guy didn't believe him. He said, you're going to have to prove it. That'd be an awesome dog if you could pull that off. He said, come to my house. My house is, is built by the woods. We'll send my dog into the woods. I'll show you I've got the best hunting dog in the county. So they went over to this guy's house, and he sends his hunting dog into the woods. And a little while later, he hears that dog barking. Burr, burr, burr. It just dawned on me. I have barked more than any preacher you've probably ever heard in your life in just five services. He said, what's he got? He said, hmm, that's a squirrel bark. He's caught a squirrel. And the, guy, and the dog comes out 10 minutes later, he's got a squirrel in his teeth. His friend says, well, there's a lot of squirrels in the woods. I mean, good gracious, the odds he'd catch anything would be a squirrel. He can't be that good. Send him back. Well, a little while later, the dog's barking again. This time he goes, he said, well, what kind of bark is that? He said, he's got a fox. That's a fox bark. And he said, man, there ain't no way. I, there's not many foxes in these woods. He said, man, I'm telling you, my dog caught a fox. You watch. And sure enough, 10 minutes later, the dog comes out of the woods. He's got a fox in his teeth. Now his friend's convinced. He's like, man, that's amazing. You really do have the best hunting dog in the county. Do it again, just for entertainment. Do it again. I got to see it again. And he sends the dog back in the woods. Well, a little while later, he hears the dog barking. Burr! 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 He said, what's he got? He said, nothing. Something got him. 
you come into a place like this and you see people excited about Jesus and they're raising their hands and they're clapping their hands and they're smiling when they talk about the Lord and you say, man, it's not just that they got Jesus. Obviously, Jesus got them. See, that's the great thing. It's not that you got to get saved and then go try your best to live for God. No, you just get saved, yes, but you let God live his life through you. That's the key. And that is the gospel. So the question now is, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do with what we see on this screen? I know I'm not living God's design. There's problems in my life, you say. You say, I've got trouble with mom and dad, or I've got trouble with my brothers and sisters, or I know there's things I've done wrong because my conscience is bothering me. I'm not living God's design. I've sinned, and there's brokenness in my life. Well, you've got to repent and believe the gospel and let God help you recover and pursue his design. Well, how do you do that? Well, let's look at the next verse. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. There's something earned. Your sin earns you something that your sin deserves. Death. But then the gift is the gift of God through Christ Jesus. Not trying hard, not doing good stuff. It's just a gift. You don't earn a gift, you receive it. So there's a problem, it's death, because God told Adam and Eve, if you eat of the fruit, you'll die, and that day you'll surely die. And so we've been inheriting death ever since. But there's also a solution, because God said, in Jesus Christ is eternal life. I want you to look at the next verse. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Has there ever been that time in your life where you asked Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord? Whether you're here tonight and you're 12 years old or 8 years old, or whether you're 22 years old or 38 years old or 56 years old, has there ever been that time in your life, that one-time experience where you went from death to life, where you went from lost to found, where Jesus went from living on the outside to living on the inside if not would you make tonight that night say what let's bow our heads and let's be very quiet if you're in this room tonight and you don't know that you're saved if you've never given your heart to Jesus I'm gonna ask you to do that tonight You say well are you asking me to pray to God and ask him to save me and wash away my sins and yeah, I am. You say, well, I'm not sure what to say. Well, maybe you'd say something like this in your heart. Maybe you'd say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know you died on the cross to take away my sins. And I'm asking tonight that you would come into my heart, wash away all my sins, and make me brand new. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you were buried for me. And I believe you rose from the dead for me. And I want you to be my Savior. And I give my heart and my life to you. Once and for all. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer and for saving me tonight. In Jesus' name.